The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they call Getchakumi. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. With a load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. That good shipping true was a bone to be chewed when the gales of November came early. <laughs> <laughs> that was great, man. Oh, thanks. Why'd you choose that? I am a sailor. I love sailing. Nice. And that song was the first one I played when I went out when I first bought my sailboat. Nice. And it stuck with me. And <laughs> Wow, I love it, man. It's great. What kind of boat do you have? Well, I actually just sold it. It was a 28-foot uh, monohull. Why just, like, no time? No. Yeah, it was, I was, I really needed to focus yeah. this season. That's and funny. if I have the boat, I'll be on the boat all that's, the time. That's what I hear. <laughs> that's what I hear. So, Mateo, thank you so much. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me. Oh, this Appreciate is going to be a blast. We're going to have a great conversation. I just want to introduce everybody to Mateo here. So, your company is You Build. It's an app that you've designed, right? That's right. And so you're the CEO. The website is www.youbuildapp.com. The email is Mateo. And for all you, I guess, white people, I'll just upset people. It's spelled M-A-T-T-E-O <laughs> at youbuildapp.com. And then on Facebook, you build Twitter. It's youbuild underscore app. And then also pay attention. You build B-I-L-D. There's no U. Yeah. U-B-I-L-D. Yeah. Perfect. All right. So before we get into that, I want to actually thank everybody that's been supporting my book. I really appreciate you guys just calling out, DMing me, talking to me about it, surprised about it. And uh, and the support has been overwhelming. And I really, really appreciate that. So everybody on Instagram, it's underscore the underscore Amabel underscore letters. And then on Pinterest and TikTok is uh, the underscore Amabel underscore letters uh, and you can also go to their website which is www.theamabelletters.com and order a copy and there's also ebooks as well and i really appreciate it thank you so much so where do you want to begin there mateo i guess you know, i want to ask you a construction bone to pick that's what i want to ask you well <laughs> well that's how this kind of got started right yeah I you're mean, a young guy like how old are you man 25 oh man you're half my age so <laughs> two years ago you started this yeah. What was the spark that started this? So I've been in construction since I was about 17. Okay. I went door to door marketing myself as Odd Job Matthew. So doing manual labor jobs from my neighbors, local builders, and kind of worked up from there. I ended up taking on my own projects, you know, doing renovations. I launched a home service marketplace called Team Odd Job. That was for homeowners to connect with service providers. I won't tell the whole story now, but you know, the reason why I started this company was because I realized how inefficient the construction process is. Can you please repeat that? Because it's a fact. You know, the, oh, I'll, I'll tell you some facts. 70% <laughs> of construction projects go over time and 85% go over budget. So it's just Canada you're talking about? Or are you talking? This is globally. Globally. Yeah. Okay. So this is a problem that everybody faces. And it was a problem that I was facing where I had a hard time getting jobs done on time and budget. I was a young contractor trying to figure it out, and I realized there had to be a better way. Like, there's no way that an industry of this scale can operate this inefficiently f for too much longer. But it has been for decades, to be truthful, right? Yeah, that's true. And I think that we're on the precipice of a huge crisis if we don't figure it out now. So when you say huge crisis, are you, let's just get right to the brass tacks, right? It's money. 
Yeah. We're, we're on, on, on the edge of basically not being profitable for a product that you're providing. I kind of speak to a lot of tradespeople at that level where for the same amount of hours you're working, you can make more money. How would you like to do that? Of course, everybody wants to do that. But everybody's got this mindset that they're stuck in a caveman mentality. And I'm not dismissing the, the tradeswomen in this industry. They're cave women as well. They're a little smarter, to be very honest, than us because they're bringing new ideas to the industry, which I really respect. But the thing is that construction has always been that way. So it's hard to change that old dog mentality. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, it's about money. It's about like, I don't know if people understand the scale of which the construction industry operates. It's 13% of global GDP. Yeah, it's huge. Construction employs 7% of the working population on the planet. Massive. Massive. It's like, it's yeah. a huge problem. And the industry is growing at one third the pace of the rest of the economy. That's a big problem. And that's just indicative of how the lack of productivity is going to impact. If you extrapolate that out for another 10, 20 years, this is just over the past 10 years. You push that out and you increase the amount of construction that's happening, decrease the amount of productivity. That's an economic crisis. It's a crash. It's a crash. It's a huge crash. So instead of compound interest going up, it's actually compound interest going down when you've got already a loss at a third. And I've always said that construction is always the last dinosaur to adopt any kind of new technology. How exactly. do we change the mindset? That's been my life mission now, is to introduce technology and different building practices to the industry that are still carrying through that traditional model of relationships and community and building a marketplace that can you know, bridge that gap. There's a lot of ways we're doing that and a lot of ways I think about it, but... That's what we're going to talk about on today's show. But the thing is that you've got an uphill battle the same way I did or I do. Technology is not embraced in construction. Like it's it's just it's I'm still trying to wrap my head on why Instagram was so successful in the early days of construction when tradespeople were grabbing their smartphones and they were applying the Instagram techniques. And my thought process was it was the easiest platform to use. It was literally one, two, maybe three buttons at the most and share a few words. And then your thought, your idea, your image, your video was out there. Anything more than one, two, three steps starts to confuse tradespeople. Exactly. And that's our whole philosophy at Ubuild with building new technology is it should feel like an extension of the contractor. Like you grab for your hammer to swing at a nail, you should be able to click through the app just as easily. It should make sense. Every button should be built with intention. And being a contractor myself, I can really empathize with everybody on the marketplace. We like to think of it that we're just, we're not replacing humans in this whole equation. We're augmenting the experience. We're just making people more efficient, but people are at the core of our business. You know, there are other construction technologies that focus on materials or project management tools or whatever it might be. You build is about people and then we build technology around that. So that's kind of, we know that's how you have to bridge the gap is make it feel like as if you were just going about your any day on site just now you have an easier way to communicate. So I want to ask you is I know a lot of app enabled programs or templates or just software that's a design. The problem I found with a lot of them were they were blanketed across the industry. And when you've got track builders, high rise builders, 
one-offs, small outfits, 10 less employees, things like that. So you've got those different scope, those different scales of business. Is your app applicable to that? Is it kind of modified where you can actually, okay, I've got 20 employees, 20 jobs, 100 jobs. I've got one job. Is it all there that you can cater it specifically to your business? We've built the foundation to be able to service commercial, residential, industrial. Really? Right now we're focused on residential and building that product out. It could be used by a GC. It could be used by a specialty contractor of, you could have a big company with 50 job sites, or you could be doing a small reno and you need an extra set of hands for a day. Okay. So again, we're building the foundation that we can then build off of in the future, but right now focusing on residential. All right, cool. So we're going to dive into the whole app. We're going to dive into the specifics of it. So what exactly is your construction bone? Like what was, what's, what's currently, or when you were in construction, what was the, the, I guess the grievances that you had in certain situations? The lack of productivity and the inability to find skilled, hardworking people. But that's, everybody has that problem. And, and, and I don't, I have yet to see anybody come up with solutions for that problem when it comes into construction industry. They just expect people to either say, yeah, I'm interested in a job and I'll come, then they don't show up. Uh, then I'm interested in doing the scope, then you plan the day and then the scope's not properly done. So now you're inefficient on the site, you're inefficient on the workforce. It's a big problem in this industry. We have a huge problem. And that, and I agree with you, it's globally. Like I've spoken to tradespeople in Australia, in Europe, and in the States, South America, everything. Everybody has the same problem. The only difference is different language. That's all it is, man. And the bags might be different or the material might be slightly different, but it's really, it's the same language. Yeah, and I think that there's a greater phenomena that's happening. What's that? I think that there hasn't been a large movement in construction since the labor unions. Yeah, I'd agree. I think that there was a time when it was exciting to become a contractor. My nono came here from Italy, worked on the railroad. His whole family, his all of his friends, his whole town came and they were, you know, hardworking men yeah, and yeah. women, but the men were the ones yeah. working out there. And the unions provided a platform for people to come and come together in one place and bind. And it became a movement, not, you know, a company. And I think that we've a group of immigrants came, they did the hard work. Then the descendants of them, one generation down, still kept working, but maybe a little bit less. And then the next generation became soft. It's just a phenomenon that happens. And I think this has happened across the world is there needs to be another movement in construction. We need to make construction cool again. And we need to use technology to enable that movement. And that's really what we're doing with U-Build is we're trying to make it cool again, trying to make it easy to get into construction and track your progress and grow and connect with the right people. And so that's what, you know, a greater theme. I think there's a lot of underlying problems outside of that. Yeah. I think, you know, there's external forces, there's industry dynamics, and then there's problems operationally with the way that companies operate. And this is all ties into why the industry is generally unproductive. So right now we're at a, we're at the soft stage. We basically it's it's not a I think we're not blaming anybody, but you're you're completely right. You had a hardworking generation coming in at the 60s and 70s and 80s times. They worked their asses off. A lot of immigrants came in. They all established themselves. They brought the whole family here and they just went to construction because that's what they did back home and they did it really well and they had amazing skills. Then they didn't really want their children 
to go into that industry. They wanted their children to go to college, university and find a different uh, avenue, right? They didn't want them working that hard. Some of them said, no, I want to work this hard because it's a satisfying career option, right? But then you get the other ones who started looking at all the introduction of, of technology. So you had 90s come in, 2000s come in, and you're hearing about all this tech-based workforce and you can make so much more money than in construction. So then they started gravitating towards that. But now we've gotten to the point where it's like everybody's working in a, in a very money-driven, depending on the career it is, and they compare it to construction and they can make more money doing that instead of construction. So you've gotten fewer people come into construction, which has created softer people because those tradespeople are looking at their friends that are, well, hang on a sec, you're working for what and how many hours and you're making what? Come with me and sit at a computer for 10 hours a month and you'll make the same amount of money. So it's like, but it's soul sucking at that point. Is it really satisfying? So we've got a softer tradesperson right now but you're saying that you've got the app, the technology, and we have to be more efficient. Where you have the other bigger problem where you got a lot of the older labor force that's leaving the industry, and unfortunately, a lot of them haven't passed on the skills, then you're getting a lot of the younger industry, which is what I'm seeing the initiative, like yourself, right? You're getting the 20s, the 30-year-olds that are looking to change the industry. But changing an industry that's such a dinosaur is an uphill battle. And, and you get a lot of businesses that don't want change. They don't like it. So how do you tackle that at that point? You know, that's a problem that we're solving every day is people don't want to change. People want to be able to call in or, or text their order or whatever it might be. And, and that's where we still allow those types of orders and those types of relationships to happen. But I think on a greater scale, what we need to do is it's got to be a collaborative effort from everybody. For sure. There's yeah. got to be the older generation that For says, sure. we are willing to pass on this knowledge. We need the younger generation to be willing to adopt, you know, be patient and adopt these new skills. But I think what we need is we can't have one older contractor training one or two apprentices at a time. It's not scalable. It's not re replaceable. It's but, not going to yeah. fill the void. Yeah. What we need to do is put technology in the middle of that relationship and amplify the input to output ratio. We need one contractor to be able to train 10. Using U-Build is what we're building towards doing that. So how do we do that? Walk us through. So just like walk through my scenario. Let's just take, we, we take one project and I've got all the trades that are attached to it. So you can go through what I call the 13 stages of construction. So you're, you're going from demo to foundation, to framing, to roof, to exterior cladding. Uh, windows and doors, and then you're getting inside, you're tackling mechanicals, so your HVAC, uh, plumbing, electrical, then you get into insulation and drywall, and then you get into finishing. So finish trim, tiling, and then you get into painting, and then you're done. How do I take you build and then apply it to this job and apply it to my crew, my team? Okay, so what you do, you download the U-Build app, okay. you create a job site in the app. For each job site, you can post a project for tender. Okay. So you can post the demolition, then you can post the drywall, framing, electrical, you name it. That'll then notify subtrades to quote the job. Okay, that's, you're posting it where? You're posting it into the app, okay. onto the marketplace. Okay. okay, so that's the quoted project side of the app. Now, the companies that we are notifying about that job, they are finding their labor through the U-Build marketplace hourly. 
Oh. So this is how we take the job from someone like you. You don't have time to train yeah. 10 guys, no. but you could post 10 projects in the app and those 10 companies would each individually train one worker in that field. So okay, I got it. Yeah. That's we're trying to create this feedback loop where we lock in the job for a sub trade and then that sub trade, they can't find people to do the job anyway because they're already maxed out. Then they use our hourly laborers to do so. And then we, from the laborers side, they track their skills in the app. So they can say, I've done 150 hours of framing certified by name your framing crew. This, this company, this company, this they endorse whatever. You. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So this is our, you know, hypothesis on how we can solve this problem at scale. But the idea is like, we need enough people to buy into that. The fact that they need to contribute to helping train the next generation. But it's a give and take, right? So as much as you got the GC on there looking for the labor force, the labor force has to get on there to input what they're doing. But that's it's almost like a double edge because you've got so many younger people want to get the opportunity to work for a company. But I guess the phone is not answering or they're not replying back to emails. But if I'm a GC on the app and then there's a tradesperson on the app... I find them and they find me a lot easier than then just doing a gold, a cold call or something like that and reaching out. That's the idea. Yeah. yeah. If you bring everybody together in one place, yeah. it, it makes the whole thing more efficient. In ancient Rome, there's the Agora, the marketplace yeah. where people would just go. You just show up at the marketplace, the city center. And you found what you were looking for. Whatever you need. Yeah. Right. And we got to do that now using technology, using modern marketplaces that's what you build is, is it's a place where you meet people. And yeah, some people might meet and go around the app, but if that happens, you know, job done. Someone found a work opportunity. We offer a recruitment fee if, if you hire somebody full time. Yeah. Okay. Um, but that's the idea. That's generally the idea. So then basically it saves. So that's the workforce part of it. But now what about the business part of it? You were talking about running your businesses or trying to be more efficient on that side of the stuff. Is that basically the workforce is all there and it's streamlining? You don't have to go through and try to find every single trade. Yeah, exactly. So like if you need a framing job done, you get the blueprints and you fire it off to 10 or 15 framing crews. Five of them get back to you right away. Two of them send you a quote. You're texting, emailing, and calling all these different people. Meanwhile, you're running five job sites. Yeah. It's just a pain. It's, it's unnecessary bandwidth you're spending fielding all this stuff. So with Ubuild, it's like you post the project one time, and you get as many quotes as you want for it. And you're geo-targeted as well? Exactly. So you set the filters for that project. You set your budget. You upload the blueprints, the time you need it done. And then it's not going to spam you with people that can't get it done within your time frame. What about uh, you get a lot of guys that don't want to quote off the blueprints. They want to actually quote off the job site. How do you handle that at that point? So will you build, get attached to you and all of a sudden say we can schedule a site meeting and then you come. That's the idea, right? Yeah. So we can schedule a site visit for you to meet that sub trade. Okay. Um, and then if it works Because they out, can already review the, pl- the prints, but then if they got any questions, review it on site and discuss it from there. Yeah. So you can put a preliminary ballpark estimate together. Because with a blueprint, you can do a ballpark off the square footage. But then if you're hammering down a real uh, firm price, you want to go to the job site and check it out. Are you designing this for homeowners as well? No. Okay. So this is stay, This is going to stay the pros, right? This is B2B. Okay. Yeah. 
event right. like which I like personally. Yeah. Because I think homeowners, if they want to do that flip makeover crap thing, whatever, fine, go ahead and do that. But have a little respect for the professionals that are going to do the job properly. Yeah. We're not cutting out the GC. We're empowering the GC. Okay. If anything, it helps the GC provide the information to the homeowner. At the end of each job, at the end of each day, photos get up taken of the work done and uploaded into the app. So you can click on that job site, click on that work order and see all the data that's associated with that project. So that's a big, that's kind of the next step. But, you know, if you have transparent data for each one of your projects, you can do what you want with that data. You can show the homeowner. Yeah. You can use it internally to make data-driven insights. So, I mean, technically, the GC doesn't even have to show up on site when you're doing all this because he's hired or she's hired the right person, and then they're documenting everything. And then uploading it from there. Yeah. And then they're being rated at the end of each day. Who's doing the rating? The GC? The GC or whoever the site supervisor is. Okay. So you you assign an on-site contact. So there's basically, okay, so mother's watching, so to speak, kind of idea. But okay, so Mateo, tell me, okay, what's the cost associated with this? Because there's obviously got to be cost, right? Yeah. So it depends. The hourly labor is broken up based on skill level. Yeah, and um, scope and everything like that, yeah, right? exactly. But no, but the actual app itself, is there a cost associated? No, no cost. Oh, okay. It's, if you make a transaction, there's a fee associated. So like there'll be a percentage added on to each hour of labor. Okay. Or if we broker a job through the app, we take a nominal percentage of that. Okay. But our whole goal is like, we're not trying to be greedy. We're trying to enhance the relationship where we provide enough value to continue working together so you've been at this for two years and you've how long have you had it in the market two years or you just started it two years ago about a year and a half we've oh, been market. fully live yeah okay um, and how's it been so far i know that i've been hearing pieces here and there i haven't been i've been paying attention to some of the stuff i haven't used it yet but i'm curious about how the market's responding to it it's been going <laughs> it's been going really well lately um oh. it was you know the first four or five months kind of we we're finding our grounding for the past year, it's just been exponential growth. Every month, it's we're up significantly month over month right now. Well, it's funny. I mean, you started as a pandemic, right? So, I mean, construction didn't get hurt. It actually got a lot more. But then you also had a lot of people from other hospitality industry coming into construction, which are red flags, right? So, you know, they're coming in because they needed to make some money while their regular career option wasn't making any money. So I guess it was a good testing ground for you guys to figure out how to do this and then to move forward, to figure out, right? I guess what are some of the downfalls, I guess, associated with it? Or what was the feedback that people were giving you in the very beginning? So in the beginning, people were saying that they had certain skills that they didn't have. So, Nobody lies in construction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but vetting the people was a really hard thing. Yeah, I can um, imagine. And that, that was a, we got burned a few times, but it learned our lesson quickly. You can't just let people sign up for an app. There's now, there's such a long gatekeeping process and now it's invite only. So the pros have to be referred from somebody else and verified by someone else in the network. Cause okay, I like that. It's like traditionally you wouldn't refer a drywall company to me that you weren't a hundred percent. Of course not. Of right? course not. So you wouldn't refer somebody into the, the U build yeah. ecosystem. We call it an ecosystem. 
because everybody plays a certain part. Okay. But you don't want to, if you're part of that ecosystem, you don't want to undermine the whole thing. Again, we needed to build a critical mass first, but once we did that, it's now, you know, created a network effect where only like-minded people are joining and sticking around. What about the whole cart before the horse thing where you've got the younger trades? I don't have the experience to get on the platform just yet, but I've got the drive to get on the platform. So how do I convince somebody that's a pro to kind of vet and verify me, so to speak, to get in there? How can they do that? Yeah, that's again, you just have to get a referral in. That's um, it. And I meet every single person that comes in. Okay. Like I meet them in person, uh, make sure that they're of sound moral, moral, uh, quality. So make sure that everybody's a good person, buys into the same vision as us. Even if you have no experience in construction, we'll communicate that when a builder books, you'll see their profile, like number of years in construction, zero, like one month. And the builder will be like, all right, this guy's going to sweep a site and move stuff around. But I mean, I, and I tell all the younger trades that they would actually do themselves a great service if they found a company that they were interested in working with, or at least a company that's attached to you build that can verify you. And I would recommend, because this is what your dad, everybody from a different generation did, they volunteered and they proved themselves. They gave up a week and said, forget it. Listen, I know I look like a nothing, but give me a week, give me five days, get me on the site and let me just, you tell me what you want done, let me do it. If you like it, then I come back the next week, I come back the next week, all of a sudden you're on the crew. Same thing, man. The only difference is that you're going from a digital reality. That's all it is, man. Yeah. And that's how I got started too. Yeah. With builders, this builder, I knocked on his door and he said, I've got a demo of this house. He's like, get it done by tonight and we'll talk. And he was joking. <laughs> yeah, of course. I was like, okay, bet. Yeah. I came back with eight friends. We spent all night demoing the place. I didn't say, talk to him about a dollar. I Price didn't ask or anything. for anything. Yeah. We banged it out and he was like, what? That's the drive. And he was, and that client ended up, I still work with him to this day. He was the one that started this whole journey for me and opened this door into construction. And again, but it was that willingness for me to go and just take out fiberglass insulation with my bare hands, not knowing what fiberglass <laughs> insulation was at then the time. Then take a nice hot bath <laughs> yeah, afterwards. Yeah, hot shower and yeah, it's in no, your eyeballs. Don't do that. That's, <laughs> no, and, and yeah. it's good. I don't. That's rare though. Huh? You don't see that all the time. Most of the time, especially in pandemic days, you're getting a lot of the younger trades that are talking, I want to get paid 30, 35, 40, whatever, which is just, okay, go over there and just you'll have plenty of room to smoke your weed, okay? It's fine, but not over here. So it's just like... How do we convince these guys to do this? How do we get them? I agree with you 100% like what you said earlier. It's a community. It's a collective. We have to all work together. It's a give and take. The GCs need the tradespeople. The tradespeople need the GCs. So we have to actually be on the same page. That's the biggest challenge because a lot of the younger, and I'm not dogging the millennials and everything like that, they're money driven, mm -hmm. which is totally fine. But you have to deliver on the back of that money drive. How do we do that? How do we speak to them? I think it takes it takes a young person to be a role model and it takes a network effect really like people want to join what they see all their friends doing of course it's human instinct again if we can get enough one by one we bring people on uh, all of a sudden two out of five friends in a group are working there then yep. three then all yep. five yeah so we need to focus on who are those connectors out there the centers of their friend group or their hub and focus on them one by one and build a relationship 
and get them into construction. Instagram is great for that. Yeah. All of our business comes from Instagram. Okay. Literally. We don't spend a dollar on marketing. Okay. Even our laborers, they see our Instagram. They're like, oh, that looks... People that aren't even in construction, they're like, oh, that looks cool. These guys are having a good time working together. They're all friends. Like, you build crew. They hang out after work all the time. Like, we hang out. Like, we're watch, I was watching a movie with one of our guys last night. Like, all the time, it's something different. But, again, you build that sense of community and, you know... You build it, they will come. You said something earlier, which really I, I like because I've, I've still been trying to figure it out. How do we make construction cool for a generation that is so tempted by other t kinds of careers? I'm sure that you guys, when you guys were working on this and developing it, you guys were trying to figure out how to make construction cooler than what it is right now. And also, I think when you say the word cooler, I hear competitive to other career options, right? That's the, that's the biggest stumbling block for me. Uh, like I said earlier, where it's it's they don't think construction is as cool as as we think it's is cool. So how do how did you guys solve that, or you guys are working on that problem? My thinking behind this is construction is the most satisfying job you can be in. Oh, hundred percent. Certain people's brains are wired in a way that if you com well all brains, if you complete a task, you get a serotonin yep. boost in your brain. Yep. And that sends a feedback loop where you want to do another task, and that's neuro chemistry and construction is the best way to build confidence and feel good about yourself by finishing tasks we build you build around that idea of helping people track their goals and accomplish things and feel accomplished so they level up in the app it's like a video game you level up you've unlocked a dewalt loadout okay then we you know we or we we give you a home depot gift card if you reach a certain number of hours we're building that we're gamifying the app because that's what the millennials like. They've grown up that with interaction. instant gratification. Yeah. So we're trying to kind of bridge that gap of the gratif instant gratification, but through work. Um, and that's, you know, that's a challenge every day is trying to figure out how to, you know, tap into people's like reward circuits. So how do you get, because, okay, so the app's global, right? That's the idea or you just focus right now in Toronto area or... Okay. Focused on Toronto now, it oh. will be global. Okay, so that's where you're headed with it. So then all of a sudden you can have different chapter versions in different places in the world. You have tradespeople for every single trade right now on the app? Or is no. it still being it's still being built right now? There's not like specialty trades, like we don't have like gas fitters on okay. it, for example, or garage door installers or you know, specific things, but you've got your major drywall framing, concrete. Okay. You name it. So then the GC gets on board and all of a sudden they can just go through the app and search through those specific trades, find a few to, and then tender it out. They quote it. They get to you. So you don't scroll through a database. You just post the project and it'll notify those. Uh, automatically. So you don't even have to worry about that. Yeah. You don't have to worry about even finding the people because we're going to recommend people that match your filters and criteria. And you're already, we should be at ease because you're already vetting all these people. That's the so idea. we shouldn't have any issues at all compared to what we normally go through. Yeah. Even people showing up. So you're getting a verified group of pros per sub trade. And then you make the final call, whichever one you like the best. But you'll be able to see which one of those sub trades is endorsed by other builders, you know. And then you get the other builders that have used them. So they've left a review or, or spoken highly about them so they can recommend them. Exactly. Okay, and then you were mentioning something about, uh, I guess if you go around the app and you see somebody, now you want to take them on as a full-time employee, 
there's a process for that. Yeah, so you can, there's a recruitment fee if okay. you want to take someone on your payroll. Okay. Some companies have payroll. Some companies book. We have people working with Walden Homes, been working for like three years through UBuild. Okay. Because they don't want to bring people on their payroll. So there's different options. We're, we're, we're flexible. We're still figuring it out, to be honest with you. Yeah, I figured, yeah. Like, this is just a, I haven't, I haven't solved all the problems. I'm, this is my best attempt at solving this problem. What's your background, Mateo? Like you came from the tech side of things, including construction. Like, did you develop the app yourself or you had a team doing it with you? No, I've got a team that I work with. I came up with the idea, but I'm a contractor. I'm not. I mean, but it's no small feat to develop an app to get the service that we're looking for. Yeah. So, it, uh, you know, I found my first co-founder, Dan. Whoever's listening to this knows Dan. <laughs> he, he does the operations. Okay. So, he took the idea and some basic systems I had and he was like, okay, I'm going to manage this. Then we slowly, we contracted a company to build the first version of the app. Then I met Joaquin, who is my uh, co-founder and CTO. Okay. He's based out of Uruguay. So he's now building out the tech side. Emma, who is also my girlfriend, she hires everybody. She onboards everybody onto the app. But yeah, the four of us just kind of put our heads together and we're like, let's do this. And Ever since we've haven't stopped, we work all day every day. We all live together. It's just uh, our mission. You're just brainstorming, getting all these ideas out there. So the idea is, I guess, to eventually get to a certain level where you're in different cities and you're applying it to different trades, construction, just basically construction in general. That's the idea. Yeah, we actually recently just had some bookings in Ottawa. Okay. So we've got a few laborers working out there right now. If you're from Ottawa, don't start booking yet because we're not ready. <laughs> that was yeah, no, fluke. but it's a trial and error. Like any kind of tech-based thing, it's just you got to figure out how to... I mean, I'm still fascinated that even with social media, when I got started, I was excited about one follower. I was like, hey, look, one person's following me, right? And then even with the podcast, I was excited with one listener. Carlito and I were talking about this the other day. And, and now we've got thousands of listeners. So it's amazing that it just starts to grow on its own. The word gets out there and all of a sudden people start talking about it. Then they use it. Then they like it. Then they integrate it. And all of a sudden it just becomes a part of your toolbox at that point. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, once, a, once a builder starts using us and we build that relationship, they book every day. Really? Huh? Every day. They, it's, they're addicted to it. I was talking to a builder, one of his site supers books every day. And he was like, uh, he was saying the guy's getting a bit, you build happy. Just you build happy. It, it's so easy to just like trigger happy. Yeah. Just book people. It's so easy to do. How do you want to walk us through, I guess the, the app itself there? Cause you can get the app anywhere, right? Android or Apple or whatever. Right? Yeah, exactly. So you can download uh, the app U B I L D from the app store. Uh, I'm just actually, I'm, I'm getting it right now. Yeah, and I can I can show you here on my phone as oh, well. Oh, yeah, show it there. All right, so, okay, cool. So what you got there is, so you got different jobs, right? So these are all your job sites. Okay. Um, this, this builder, it's a real account. Like, see how many job sites he has? Okay. So I click show. Now that takes you into, you can see all the work orders for so, that job. So that builder posted that job, posted the drawings, any other information about that job, it's there now. Yeah, so this is completed jobs. And you can see the photo from that job, the work order. If they want a book, okay, they can come to this page. You can see general, semi-skilled, skilled, pro. That's hourly labor, or you can request a quote. So if you need general labor, 
Whatever. And there's your categories. You tap how many you four want. Four guys for two days. Okay. Whatever it might be, you select the day. Automatically. How responsive is it? Like immediate. You're getting an answer right away. Real time. Oh, man, I like that. Nobody. It doesn't get posted, and then accepted for the hourly labor. Okay. It has a real time schedule availability of everybody on the app. People don't have to pick it up and click accept. And then that person, once you put it in there, that person is offered the position? No, it's put in their schedule. It's just, so they're actually, so now I've got work. Basically, that tradesperson looks at it, I've got work now. Yeah. Because they, they're they attached get a notification to the app. Saying, they get a no- okay. You have a job tomorrow with Elite Construction at 69 Kingswood, and here's the scope of work. And they open up the work order, and they can see it right in their schedule. It's all geofenced. So if somebody, if somebody books, it's within your area, your service area when you're available. So when you sign up and you set up your profile or whatever, you're telling these, you're telling the app for argument's sake, whatever I'm in the Toronto core. And what are you asking for? Like general radius wise, what are you like a 30 kilometer radius wise? Is that the idea? You select zones in the city. Zones. Okay. So you select what zone you want to work in. You, you build your profile. So you'll input all your tools and your skills and whatever it might be. But this is all verified before you come but Yeah, on. way before that. Yeah. So once you set up, I guess, your profile. Yeah, then okay. you set your availability in your service area. Boom, you immediately get bookings right into your, into your schedule. And then the builder can, if they like you, they book you back for that job site. So how do we, like, how do you deal with the tradesperson who sleeps in magically, who, I don't know, over parties magically like how do you do they that's not a that's not a factor like are they, is there reprimand if they don't show up i guess because they there has to be right yeah, that's a one star rating and the ratings are tied to the booking priority the top rated ah trades people so are getting booked out first immediately, yeah and then it trickles down but that said we then kind of prune that list if you're at the bottom you kind of just if you're constantly getting a one star, one star, one star, then you, you don't have the opportunity to get that many one stars. If you get anything under a four, I like call you right away. I'm like, what's going on? Let's yeah. make sure this doesn't happen. If it happens again, there's a pattern and then you're no longer able to be in the community. So, I mean, basically you've designed an app here that has filtered out the crap that we as GCs are dealing with all the time on a daily basis. Not so much me, but a lot of guys that have been on the show and a lot of people that reach out on social media where guys show up late, guys show up not ready, guys uh, like they'll leave early or whatever, or they have their issues on site or whatever. Like you're, you're dealing with a lot of that, but all these people that are verified, you're already filtering all that stuff out of there. And even if they do make a mistake, they're warned, I guess, or they're basically there's, there's a discussion at that point where they have an opportunity to either step up or step out. Yeah, exactly. That's basically it, right? Exactly. And, you know, I'm not going to say that it's perfect every time. No, it can't be. But it's a lot better than going on Kijiji or Craigslist or whatever people normally would find somebody. You know, we don't, if somebody has an error or has a bad rating, we approach it with empathy and we're like, how can I, I just had a call on the, the drive here. I was like, hey, we didn't hear from you for a few days. You didn't show up. Like, can, is there anything I can do for you to help yeah. you? Okay. I'm not like, what the hell, man? You didn't show up. I'm like, you must be going through something because for you to turn your phone off and not talk to anybody, you're going through something. And he opened up to me. We had a great conversation. He's like, told me his story, which is you know, crazy. But if you approach 
someone like a human being. Yeah, and speak to them and treat them that way. With empathy, yeah. yeah. But a lot of construction is like... It's not applicable. It's not. It's like no one cares. It's like you didn't show up, so you suck. It's like if that happens one time, we, we help them, we support them. If it keeps happening, it's like, okay, you need to find... We can support you outside of you build for now. And then if you're ready at another point to come back in. I guess, I don't know. You tell me if they, if you guys offer that, if a tradesperson's on there and let's say they have something going on in their life, can they just, I don't know, set their profile to, I don't know, a temporary, they can do that, right? Yeah. Like a, okay. Pause totally. it. Right. Yeah, so you, then you, that way you're not, you're not explaining yourself on why you're not addressing this or you're not going to work or whatever. You just kind of say, listen, some stuff's going on in my life. I need a week or two to just take care of my life and then I'll be back. Totally. Everyone on the app is their own boss. Okay. No one works for us. They work for themselves. So they set their availability. If you want to take the afternoons on Tuesday off to take your daughter to soccer, go ahead. Okay. All That's right. your business. So then that way you don't get the notification at that point. Yeah. You're all, you're offline. Okay. And then I also wanted to, I know before we started rolling there, have you gotten female trace people coming onto the app as well? Or are you, are you at that point yet? A small percentage, yes. Well, I mean, everyone's got to, we got to remind ourselves that, listen, we got to understand, we're in an industry where in Canada here, we're at 3% of the workforce is female. I think in America, it's a little bit higher, right? But even at 3% of the workforce, which I think in Canada, we're just over a million tradespeople in the, in, in the country. So that's not a lot of people to begin with, right? So it's like, that's my first question is that how many women are getting on the app as well? Yeah, a small percentage. Yeah. About, yeah, I'd say there's a handful. You know, we want to encourage more women to get into the trades. And I think there are things we can do as men to make the industry a little bit more welcoming, maybe. maybe For sure. You know, there's a lot of things we can do. Job sites, I know how it is on a job site. You operate, it's like very like everyone's yelling at each other. There's no please or thank you. It's like you got to get shit done. Not to say that you should treat women differently, but be aware that people operate differently. They respond differently. So we need to create an inclusive environment. And that's something that we're trying to do with UBuild is actively you know try and find people and encourage women that are applying that this is a viable career recently i've been getting a lot of students reaching out to me and inquiring about can i connect somebody with somebody right and all i can do is really give them a shout out on the show and i'll give them a shout on 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 instagram or whatever or if they are being very very specific what they're looking for i can do an introduction here you go look and reach out to this person go from there i mean this sounds like it makes a lot of sense for people that are just finishing trade school finishing an apprentice program or even just a skills trade program jumping on that to get that initial as long as they're hungry and they deliver and they show up on time and they're willing to learn why not it kind of makes sense at that point right yeah, UBuild is the pl- the best place to start your career in construction, hands down. I can say that with total confidence. Like, if anyone listening to this wants to get into the trades and join a community that has the support, like this is your place, like, for sure. Have you spoken to the schools? Have you gone out to Conestoga and George and Humber and everybody else like that? Have you? Yeah. So we have uh, we've had a lot of conversations with the Skilled Trades College. Okay. York Construction Academy. And George Brown, we're working on uh, something with them right now. But yeah, okay. basically when people graduate from those programs, they're going to be told about UBuild. I'm going to have a conversation with them and you know, show them that this is a great way to get that's into it. That's the, that's the generation that's going to embrace this and look at it as huge opportunities at that point. 
Yeah, totally. I think, you know, we're building for right now, but we're building the future of construction. And I think that, you know, as new people come into the industry or new or young contractors start their own businesses, we want you build to be, like you said, a key part of their toolbox. Now, I'll throw this at you. You tell me if you've already thought about it, because I was just thinking about it when we're discussing things. Is it worth adding to the app a consultation offering? When I say that, I mean, let's say what I what I I'm very respectful of the the older dogs, and I'm part of one of the older dogs, right? So when they come on the show and they share all of their decades of experience, I I notice with the data attached to the podcast that the younger generation is really perking up their ears and listening to that because they can't get that opportunity on a job site because, like you said, on a job site there's a certain presence. So it's like, how dare you be a young tradesperson, go up to an older tradesperson and go, excuse me, sir, can you just teach me about construction? It's going to be an FU at that point, right? And so on a podcast, I find it that the older generation is more than willing to share. If that was on the app where you had the older generation, maybe they're either retiring or they've retired, but they've got this wealth of knowledge that's in their head. Could the younger generation approach them and go, listen, can I have an hour of your time to sit down and discuss things with you when you got a moment. I don't know if that's something that you guys have thought of or something that's applicable. I haven't because, thought of that. Because that younger generation is dying for that stuff, man. That is an incredible idea. There, you can have I'm, it for me, free of charge. <laughs> okay, well, I'll... Uh, no, because I'm, I'm gonna, big no, on, I'm gonna, I'm that's big on that. That's something we can build. Yeah. Like, we, when we get feedback from the older generation or anybody, really, we can build it right away. Yeah. That's the idea. Is that we're, building, we're all building this together. That is a great way to bridge the gap yes. between the old generation and the, and the newcomers and making it, like you said, not like a, an intimidating experience. If you're on a job site and you're sweeping uh, and you're new. I know, you know what it's like. It's you're, tough. Like, yeah. and I, and I, I've never done that. Like, I mean, listen, I'll just, I don't think I've ever said to any young tradesperson, just pick up a broom and sweep. I rather you shadow, irritate another trade that's experienced. And then, if I could see that the older or the experienced tradesperson is getting a little irritated by this clinging on thing or whatever, like he wants or she wants to learn, I'll have the conversation with the seasoned experienced tradesperson. I was going, listen, man, just give the kid a break. Just let them tell them the truth about it. And then they go on the whole rough and tough about, you don't want to be in this. We're going to treat you like shit and all this other stuff. Yeah, but so what? Who gives a shit, right? But the thing is, I'd rather them do that because they're going to learn from that from certain people. And also, I wouldn't put them connected to somebody that's going to bite their head off. I'm going to put them with somebody that's going to be willing to learn because I honestly believe that everybody in construction wants to be a teacher. It's just they're not given the moments to teach. So here's an here's an app that I think that if you're getting all this younger generation that's coming in and they're getting work and they're being verified. So basically they're being stood up properly. They're being taught manners. I like all of that. The next step would be is they want to skill you know, they, their skills need to be honed. You can do that either trial by error or you can do that by speaking to people who have already figured it out. And I've told all the younger generation, listen, man, we've made so many mistakes. I don't want you making our mistakes because you already figured that out. You're going to make your share of mistakes. So, but I want you to perfect what we've already done and take it to the next level. So that takes you having a conversation with a seasoned trace person at that time. But how do we do that? So, I mean, if you guys can apply that or even offer that or use that, I think that younger trace person is really going to be interested in that. I love that idea. Like yeah. a mentorship side of Basically. the app. Basically. 
basically. That's, easy, that's easy to build too. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to spend some time on that. No, but, it's, it's totally worth it to do that because I mean, that's the only way that you, I, I think that's going to contribute to let's get back to making construction cool. Cause construction in the seventies and eighties, it was cool. It was a different kind of lifestyle, so to speak, but it was a cool career at the time. We've got the challenges about competing against other career options, money, what's going on right now in the world, all this other stuff. But you still have the the passionate kids that want to learn. And like you said, with the whole dopamine and everything, people are satisfied by building something that day and then seeing it when they walk away and go, I had a hand building that. Yeah. And I think, like you were saying, with training the next generation, it's a two-sided thing. There needs to be the older generation that's willing to teach the younger sure. people and the younger people that are willing to learn. People always say, how do they build Rome? Look at the Colosseum. The Colosseum is like 200 and something arches. Yeah. They built one arch at a time and there was one crew per arch. <laughs> and that crew was made up of one veteran and then descending skill levels down to people that had no experience. But by the end of the, by the end of building a few arches, the rookie was the experienced was experienced yeah. and this was the romans really figured out how to create this training module not module but you know this feedback loop and i think we've gotten away from that recently and i think we need to get back into it so like any contractors listening to this i know you're all trying to find somebody that has all the skills in the world and you want to hire somebody with everything it's not the reality right now no. you need to train the next generation you are responsible for keeping this craft alive we all play a role, so, and and the people, the younger people getting into it, you need to be willing to learn and willing to ask questions. I mean, the truth is, like, honestly, every young person that's getting into it, it's not necessarily young, it's also career transition. You get a lot of people that had a different career and then they got into construction, like myself, later on, so you still have a younger career, years working in construction, but I didn't get started in my teens doing it. Everybody wants the opportunity just to get up to bat. So if you can give them the opportunity, listen, like you can tell a, a person that wants to be a tile setter, you can go right up to them. Every time I've had a young person who was on site and they want to be a tile setter, I just first ask them, have you ever done Schluter? No. Here's your opportunity. It's right there. Brand new ba uh, bathroom. You've seen the videos. You've seen Instagram stories. You've seen other tradespeople do it. Here you go. And then if you've got any questions, which you will, ask away. But now you've got a playground. Every single tradesperson, doesn't matter if you got started late in life or you're young, they just want the opportunity. That's why I think sweeping is separate and everyone should just contribute to that, especially the electricians. They should have vacuums. That's just my opinion. But I mean, like give the kids an opportunity to actually handle our professional techniques, right? And then they're going to rise. I, I totally agree with you that they'll rise to the occasion. Yeah. And if we all get on the, like you said at the beginning, we need to get on the same page. Yeah. This is a group effort. Yeah. This isn't us solving. What we build will have no impact if people don't embrace it and share the same vision for the future of construction as us. And you were saying you need to give people that opportunity. I was on a job site the other day. I posted an Instagram reel about it. This guy's name is Foresight. He came here from Nigeria. And he told me that U-Build has given him the opportunity to believe in himself. Nice. That was it. And I was like, wow. That is why we're here and any contractor out there give people the opportunity to believe in themselves and let them gain that confidence people can gain a lot of confidence pretty quickly if you give them the opportunity there's a lot of intimidation in construction 
That's that's and I see it. I try not to have it on my sites, but I definitely see it when I go see other sites. There's a lot of uh, hierarchy. There's a lot of stigmas like you're this person, so you stay here. You're this person, you go here. And I just I don't like that. I like the collective, I like the team. I think everyone should be looking at construction as if we're athletes. I totally that analogy has been shared several times on the show where it's like we're basically a professional team of some sort you pick the team whatever it's football or or whatever like it doesn't matter but it's a collective everybody has to work together the the quarterback doesn't look like a star on his own it doesn't work that way he has to have these other teammates it's the same thing in construction so once you start realizing that you're a pro you'll fit in more but i i can totally see the younger people being totally intimidated about getting on a job site and then all of a sudden seeing real professionals because there's a difference, man. When you get on a job site and you see extremely professional framers and bricklayers and roofers, you're in awe of the skills that they've learned over the years. But then you've got these kids who are looking at it going, I want to do that one day. How do I get to that point, right? That's the intimidating factor. You hit it on the head. Construction's about collaboration, yeah. not competition. Yeah. There's another bone to pick just really quickly. People think that they're in competition with each other. All the time in construction. Competition is a silly way. It's a perspective that you look on the world. I don't even think about competition at all. It doesn't enter my frame of mind. You know, I know that other people are out there doing whatever, but I focus on what what value I provide personally. And construction is a team. Like you said, it's a team sport. Don't you. There's so much work out there. You don't have to compete with people for work. Just do the best work you can and treat people well and work as a team and you'll the work will come to you. And the opportunities will come to you. Exactly. Because as much as like, okay, you can get all cheesy and we can talk about the whole universe and things like that. But the truth is that if you actually contribute and you're working as a collective, as a team, you'll do a great job. Somebody that you may have not noticed on the site noticed that you did that and they kept it quiet. But then all of a sudden that person, for whatever reason... The universe threw a, a job to them, and now they're going to go, what about that kid that was there? I saw him, and he was actually doing a really good job. Do you have that number, whatever, the contact, and put me in touch with him, and all of a sudden, there's an opportunity that shows up. I find that the competition part is more of the seedy percentage of the tradespeople that don't give a crap, just punching the clock, trying to do as cheap as possible, cut as many corners as possible. That's where the competition lies. I think that the cream at the top of it is, and it's a small percentage of the unfortunate part, that's where the, the community part, the collective part, that's where we all hang out and we work together and we want to do that. I mean, I, I told you, we see it all the time. We see it all the time, right? Yeah. And that, you know, I don't know if that comes with years of experience or if that comes with certain lens you look at the world or the values that you hold. But if more people can be on that page, I think we'd get a lot further. Where do you want to take it from here now? What are you guys planning on with the app? And I, I guess right now Toronto's a testing ground. And you guys are doing well with it. You're going to start moving on to other cities and, and go from there? We want to nail it in Toronto first. Okay. We want to one builder at a time, one contractor, one tradesperson, connect them um, in Toronto. And if it can work in Toronto, you know, we'll raise a round of funding and expand out. But right now it's been going incredibly. I'm meeting so many amazing people and hearing their stories. People coming from around the world hearing people's stories immigrating to Canada hungry yeah. for work yeah. like that's something we want to focus on in Toronto first is opening up that international pipeline of workers because if people in Toronto don't want to do the work and people want to come from other countries and do it <laughs> embrace it 
Yeah. Just don't, somebody needs to tell the politicians this. That's all. Yeah. And they're not, they're not, by the way, if you think this, they're not stealing your jobs. No, they're not. They're doing the jobs that you're not willing to do. So anyway, uh, we're all for immigration. We're helping. We're actually becoming an, uh, a, a placement, a hub. Yeah. We're working with the government to act, to show that we can expedite that process for people coming into Canada. If you're listening to this from another country, reach out to us because we're doing a lot of work on this front right now bringing people in how was i know i saw your video there with john tory and and you guys were talking is is there any headway on that is that is that actually going to happen or is it just politician puffet talk like i mean i'm not a fan of politicians but are they going to do anything i'm trying desperately to get monty on the show and monty's a ministry of labor right so there's been some conversations going on and i would love to get him on not to attack to t- to discuss it's really important to discuss, right? I, I won't have room to attack. There's no purpose on that because it won't sol- solve a, situ- a situation, right? So how did that go when you when you met with John Tory and you talked to him briefly about it? John Tory is super supportive of what we're doing. Um, he's advocating for the skilled trades. We'll see what plays out from that. My aunt is actually the speaker of city council. So okay. She is, we were talking about this a lot. She's championing a new trade school that's going to be in York Southwestern. Oh, really? Yeah, I can't say too much about it or which trade school is expanding there, but there will be a huge trade school in that area. And John Tory is a big part of making that happen because it's a provincial provincial land that there needs to be a deal with. So the can MP- you share what trade is going to be taught there? It'll be everything. Every trade? Yeah. Really? It'll be a total hub. Like this, it's going to give... Oh, wow. It's going to create thousands of jobs to build the place. Okay. And then it's going to create hopefully have an impact on the skilled labor shortage. That's the objective. And, you know, I'm, I'm working with my aunt uh, to make that happen. My aunt's working with John Tory, MPP in the area, Mike, uh, Michael Ford, um, Doug Ford's nephew. He's all for it as well. So, you know, part of what I'm doing is I'm trying to speak to these politicians. I've had conversations with Monty McNaughton. He's all for it. I think that there, there's a few things... We're sitting down. I'm sitting down with his chief of staff sometime next week. Okay. Um, to can you kick him in his rear and just tell him come on the show so we can talk about I, this I'll stuff? T- when I see him, I'll yeah. tell him because I think he's aware of the show. He's aware of it for sure. Yeah. And he, you know, I I think he's got great intentions for where we want to go. I think that there are a few things that government. There are a few policies that contradict each other that I don't know if they're aware of right now. Mm. You know, one of them is like. The, introduct- the, the future of work, expanding the definition of a dependent contractor. So, you know, you have employees and independent contractors. Yeah. There's always been a role called dependent contractor, right? And it's, for, it's designed for the gig economy. This legislation that Monty passed is for construction specifically. It's almost like it was for you build. Got it, it wasn't no association when it, w- when it got passed, but... The problem is, is that they offer all of these incentives and grants for employees, but not Man, for we've been talking about this for the longest time where you can, like, why isn't the government, I, I know that the government is so tied to union-related kind of funding or connection, all that crap, right? And I, I get that, I understand that. Then there's the political landscape of looking good on who this or where this funding should go, but they should start paying attention to the like the individual contractor and helping them to incentivize them to hire people because that's making construction cool. And that's what we're working on through UBuild is because there's there's something called a group apprenticeship grant. 
yeah. in a program where you don't have to bring on an apprentice full time. Yeah. You can share the burden with 10 different contractors and hire one apprentice that goes one day on each job site. That is a, is it already out? That's or a grant that's out there. Okay. Um, what we're trying to do is figure out how can we implement these grants into UBuild exactly to, to incentivize the builders to yeah. train the next generation. One of the legislations that make no sense is that a journey person can only train one apprentice yeah, no, at a I've, time. I've, I've hated what that from day one. the hell is that I hated about? That from How day are you one. possibly going to train exponentially more people if there's a linear equation between the training? It's, it's anyway, teacher that's and classroom. Th- like, I mean, you've got one teacher for whatever, 20 students. Why can't you have... You can teach. You can teach more than one on a job site. You can be a tradesperson and teach more than one. You know, so there's... Anyway, there's a lot of things that we're doing with government. My family's been in government. My dad was an MP for 20 years. Okay. My right. brother's a school trustee. Okay. My aunt's a... You know, my uncle's an MP. My aunt... You know, so we've got... Yeah. Um, and I'm really trying to work with them to see what we can do. My brother is a school trustee. I, I want to talk to him about, you know, getting people out of high school into the trades. Well, it's, it's getting the trades back into high school to begin with. Yeah. Because I don't know which government was taking it out or if it was parent groups or the concern about removing shop classes and everything like that. And now we're down to a few. They're slowly feeding them back again. But I personally think that every single high school, not just in the certain areas of cities, should have the option for students to inquire about trades and then get that knowledge at the high school level at first. So when they finish high school, they're inquiring about it. Then they go to a specific trade school or they go to post-college and then they get attached to your app and then they get into the industry. That's a healthy, experienced, skilled tradesperson. That's what you're creating right there. That's, that's what needs to happen because there's the whole movement with STEM, right? Science, technology, engineering, math. They, there should be, it shouldn't be an elective course. It no. should be like mandatory. You have to take some type of construction or shop course. Yeah, maybe a lot of people won't like it, but some people that never thought of, of construction might, love, might it. love it. Yeah, I know. And we need to, these are extreme times with the labor shortage. Like this is, the federal government deemed it as an economic crisis. Hmm. Like we need to respond to an extreme situation with an extreme response. For sure. And I'll talk to... See if we can get politicians on this show because no, I would love it comes to do from that. the regulation. I, just, the regulation I want the politicians the on the show. I don't want their lawyers on the show. That's the only <laughs> difference, they're, they're, right? They're, uh, yeah, I don't want them being cautious of what to say or how to say if a question's asked. And like I said, again, whoever's listening, I'm, my purpose is not to attack, right? My purpose is to actually solve problems and contribute to solutions. And like we just were talking here, I think every single show, nuggets arise. So things come up and it's because we're having a conversation about construction so the objective is not to take something from you or take something from another tradesperson the objective is to give into a pool so then all tradespeople can benefit from it that's the objective so politicians should be embracing this because there's a voice here people are listening to it and they're contributing and then you're also getting the listeners that get back to me and send me dms and go that was a great show i really like that i reached out to that person i spoke to that person and now the wheels are spinning on their career path which is the whole objective anyway. Yeah. Right. And I love, you've got such a clear vision for what this show is, is to move the bar forward, keep the ball moving forward in construction and having people on that share that vision. And we have the same vision, I think for the industry. We want it, we want it to thrive. I'd love to see the list of skilled tradespeople 
that are going to build that new school. <laughs> I'd love to see that list or whatever the company, whoever it's going to be, because I think anybody that works on that school should up their game a bit and should be building that school a little bit better to the point where the next generation that comes in to learn doesn't have to question about anything. Like, I don't want to walk in that school and all of a sudden I see butt joints on drywall walls everywhere. I don't want to see that. I want to, that school should actually be built perfectly. It should be an inspiring place. Yeah, too. that's exactly like, it. I, I want to, I don't know if the plans are drawn or the architect, or whatever, but it needs to be a place where people want to go and they be in awe yeah. of the architecture and yeah. the construction. Cause that's, you go to an inspiring place, you know, you do inspiring, you do work that inspires you and you feel good. So. I'm not an architect and I'm not an engineer, but I just play one on TV. And the thing is, that school, if I was building that place, I'd actually build it almost like a dissection of construction. So you'd go down certain hallways or whatever, and you would see a cross-section of what this wall was built and the purpose behind this wall. So let's say, for argument's sake, this corner of the building whatever was designed for sound application. So now all of a sudden you start introducing bats and resilient and clips and you start explaining that a student would see that and all of a sudden go this what's that what's that what's that but no different than if you're going down that hallway and you've got photographs of i guess established people leaders and everything like that you don't you have definitions of certain key material and applications of those techniques so then guess what they're reading looking learning and understanding instead of just a flat wall just looking at yeah and maybe even like like a barcode scan exactly and a that walk too through, through so the you app. can get and get more information that draws you to their website so then you can even it's a constant learning thing right so it's like why not take the opportunity to do that i don't know how that would work with obc and having to do a certain thing but i mean that's that's my idea i look at a wall and i would cut it off and put plexi in front of it and show the cross-section of it and do that throughout the whole place and do it for every single trade and make sure that you actually justify every single trade like don't get not every job is about drywall, like you know what I'm saying. As much as they think they're the rock stars of construction, they're not. I'm sorry to say that, but I would give a balance to every single trade. I'd, I want to see a featured, detailed section for concrete, for brick, for drywall, for electrical, for HVAC, for plumbing, for everybody, everybody. And that way, when you've got kids in there, and let's say they're studying at a certain desk or they're taking a break, they're waiting for a ride or whatever it is. They can learn just by looking and reading in the structure that they're learning the industry for the future. That's just me. But I don't know who the architects, I don't know who the engineers, and I don't know who the tradespeople are going to be, right? The beauty of it is that the shovel is not in the ground yet. They're still trying to find a location. Because the whole provincial thing, right? The land or whatever? Yeah, so there's some things there, but the conversation's open. Like I think if, if enough people are behind contributing to this it can be shaped the way that sure. it needs to be. And they, they should be consulting industry leaders. I never understood why they don't. Like, I don't understand why when it comes to schools or trade schools, I don't know. I go to Home Depot and I never speak to the guy in the orange apron. I just, it's just me. Like, I just don't think that, like, it just, I guess it's a, because I, I've spoken to so many of them that they don't know what they're talking about. So for sure, you, you, you succeeded at the interview and you got the job. But the problem is that it's more than that. You just can't succeed the interview. You have to do more than that. So I, I think that they should be speaking to the industry. They should be looking out there. And social media, like you mentioned, is the number one resource. Like the government should be paying attention to social media construction. And we all know that Toronto is a hub for construction social media, right? There's there's Toronto, there's Boston, there's New York. Um, who else in Vancouver? No, uh, not even Quebec. I mean, I think Toronto is the biggest hub 
for construction social media. And it even competes against the North American, uh, other people that are outside. I mean, there's Austin as well. Not much out west in Vancouver or California, but a lot in the eastern side, uh, Philadelphia, uh, Boston, New York. But the government should be paying attention to those people and finding out, listen, can we speak to you for a few hours or can we have a Zoom call or can we have a meeting? If you're in Toronto, can you set it all up and then we can sit down and just like a focus group construction? Like actually speak, not the union guys. No way because there's other mandate. I'm talking about the independents, man. If they got the independents, sat down, goes back to mentorship. Get the guys that have been around for a while and speak to them and go, okay, what was it like in the 70s and what is it now and what would you need to change and what should we be doing for the future? And none of the answers should have any political motivation, but you're dealing with politicians. And that's the problem is that the politicians have all this regulation and red tape around them and they're, they don't want to step in the wrong direction. They want to kind of please everybody. And I think, you know, the politicians have a huge role to play in this whole thing, yeah. but there's the there needs to be public-private partnerships, especially in construction, I think across the board, but especially for this problem. And that's what I'm really trying to forge is that partnership. Like talking to, I've talked to every level of government, everyone in every seat, and I'm trying to put everybody in the same room and have a conversation. You know, we'll see how it, unpla- how it unfolds. I think it's gonna go well, but I'll keep you up to speed. I don't wanna put a target on your back, but I don't know if you thought about it. Do the unions like you or dislike you? My, th- I don't know, unless you want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, yeah, I had a situation with the, with a union uh, years ago, actually, when I was running my contracting company. Well, just keep in mind, I'm not a fan of unions. And if Carlito was here, he's a fan of unions. I don't know why, but okay. he's, so I'm not a fan of unions. And it just, uh, it used to be a great idea that has turned into a bad idea. It became corrupt. It became run by the wrong people for the wrong reasons. Yeah. I had a bad run in with the union and they, essentially threatened me out of a contract, stole 40 of my crew members. Yeah, no, seriously. Wow. And it, you know what? I was always kind of worried because they were like, oh, don't talk about this, whatever. I don't care anymore. I'm at the point where like, I am trying to build something that can be an alternative to this inefficient, big mess that's become the union. The union was built for the tradespeople. Yeah. It was built to be a community for people to yeah. come together, strengthen numbers, and it's gotten away from that. It's they become lost about their way. greed and profit. Yeah. And you build is about building a decentralized construction community, bringing people together in one place, but championing the independent person as part of the collective and not this group identity. You, you know what I mean? I know so, what you mean, but the thing is that you've got a <laughs> politicians and unions, man. And well, it's the collective bargaining agreement that was carved out yeah. however many years ago, which makes no sense in now nowadays. It makes no. I think it should be revisited completely. I'm probably going to get in some trouble for saying this, but I don't care. I don't disagree it's with gotta, you. It's got to happen it, it, at but some point. The, the, when it comes to unions and contracts and who gets a bid and all this other crap, it's it's really about uh, what did someone teach me today? I was trying to remember how five union related contractors apply for a job. Two get it, and then they share it with the other three. They hired the other three, and then the two that got it don't do the work, but the other three that didn't get it do the work, and everybody gets a little piece of the pie. That's not tendering. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't, that's not how it works, right? But that's what goes on, and that's why I'm not a fan of it, right? So it's just, when I look at unions, I look at politicians. Politicians try to please the unions because they try to stay on their good side, 
but then you get people like yourself and myself and I've gotten to the point where, yeah, sure. I bark and I talk and I get things going, but it ruffles too many feathers. Right. And all of a sudden I don't need tires slashed. I don't need doors knocked on. I don't need any of that crap. Not saying that they ever did that. How do we get away from all that stuff? And speaking to the politicians is great, but hopefully they can do something. Well, the politicians want the vote, right? They want those big union votes. They want that support. And that's so going to be make... the constant battle is like, when are we going to have a politician that's that's got some backbone? <laughs> <laughs> um, I... uh, anyway, but on the union stuff, like we don't, we don't go on union job sites. Make that clear for anyone yeah. listening to this. You're we, focusing more I'm, on... Yeah, we're yeah. focusing on residential. We, we pick up the crumbs. And if you put enough crumbs together, you get a whole cake. But what I'm saying about the unions, it's not about union workers. I commend you. I support you. It's not about you. It's about, and it's great to be part of a union, you know, but I'm talking about the system as a whole needs to change and needs to be more inclusive. It's just my opinion. No, we just, the construction industry needs to evolve. Mm -hmm. It hasn't evolved as quickly as any other industry and it needs to evolve. And there's forces that, you know, that are preventing that evolution. That's what I don't like. It's just, that's, that was my biggest gripe when I got into construction. I didn't look at, I understand that scratch code has been the norm and scratch code is the only way that's used in Ontario, specifically Toronto. I looked at my first job was Schluter. I was looking at uncoupling membranes. I was looking at different ways of doing things. But if you're speaking to the old dogs, they're like, no, that makes no sense. I don't give it. No, how does that, how does technology not make sense to you? I don't understand how you've got companies that are contributing to the industry, designing new products. And then all of a sudden they'll embrace those products, but it takes 10 years because they just wanted to be reluctant about it. You can't do that in construction, but that happens in construction all the time. And that's why we're so far behind as an industry yeah. in terms of technology is For sure. that stubbornness and that and maybe that's the type of people that get into construction i'm pretty stubborn myself sometimes i've learned now to be a lot more open and willing to try new things but you know i think as an industry we need to be we need to embrace new building techniques and embrace new technology because that's how we're going to move forward we need construction defines us as humans like you look back we built the pyramids the mayans built cities that had tens of millions of people like ten thousand years ago we don't know how the hell they did that. And we're at a point now where we can't let construction die. No. We need to we need to start another movement. We need to start a renaissance in the industry and it's one person at a time and then everybody together it'll happen. I forgot to ask you Mateo about so your hub right now the, the different areas the different geo targeted areas that your members or UP, uh, you uh, your tradespeople are on there. How big is that? Where is it? How far do you go west, north, east? So it goes west to about Oakville, okay. north till Vaughn, okay. east to Pickering. All right. Like I said, we have some people in Ottawa now. Um, but, but you're slowly expanding it, it. Yeah, it's kind of the service area is bleeding out from okay. Toronto as a core. That said, if you do have a job that's outside of the city somewhere, still let us know because we basically wait list supply and demand, and then we wait for a critical mass. We've got an equation. We know how Got many it. workers we need to how many builders for it to make sense. So let us know. We'll add you to that list. Or if we have somebody ready to work in that area. Then go from there. Let us know. But yeah, again, that said, 
we're always growing. We're always looking for new territories. So cool. Did we cover everything? I'm trying to figure out if we touched. I think upon yeah, we kind of went. <laughs> well, we went everywhere, right? And it, I, I always, I love that it just organically goes everywhere. But I just want to make sure that did we cover everything on the on the the app and thing? Yeah, no, I'm I'm good. I've, I think we went in pretty good. Depth. Well, I mean, you're you're hustling on your own for the the exposure to get more and more people talking about it, learning from it, and and so obviously they can follow the app, right? So it's like. Uh, everybody at www.youbuild, which is B-I-L-D app.com. Your email is Mateo at youbuildapp.com. And then on Facebook, you build. Twitter is youbuild underscore app. And then on Instagram is youbuild underscore app. Um, I just want to make sure that we touched upon everything. That's all. Yeah, that's that's great. And uh, you know, one more thing. We were talking about this before the show is uh, the Amabel Letters. My book, yeah. The book. Yeah. Super excited to read it. <laughs> no, I will. I'll be, I'll well, it's, it's it's just okay. So I mean, it's uh, I I think on the last three four months of the shows that we've been doing, I've always been talking about as much as you have a passion for construction, I still strongly believe that every single tradesperson has something else. And um, I actually went over to uh, Daniel. Uh, I'm forgetting his name, he's going to kill me. Rom- I think Romano or something like that. He's actually he he bought a copy, and all of a sudden I went and I I delivered it to him, and he gave me a little tour of his current project that he's working on. And then when he first heard about it, he had that like Scooby kind of mm-hmm, what's going on here? Like this tradesperson had written this romance love story, right? But then he was like, it made sense because he has a passion for culinary. He's a baker. He loves to bake, right? And I said. Every single trace person has something else, if not more than something else. They have more things that they're interested in. So I did that secretly. It was just a funny joke. Whenever I was on site or I was working or I was dealing with dickhead clients or whatever, I was dealing with suppliers and stuff, I was still writing the thoughts and the notes and putting it all together. And it didn't take a full three years. But the thing is that, yeah, now I can turn around and say that I've written a novel. I self-published it. It's a feat. Everyone's really impressed, especially ladies are impressed that you pulled that off. Because it's no, it's no easy task, so to speak, right? But the thing is, if you got a story in you, man, just write it down. Start. It started with notes. Like it literally started with a letter, and it started with notes attached to that letter, and it just started with. And I've always said since day one on social media, you want to have successful social media. It's really simple. It's a story, beginning, middle, and end. And that's what that story is. Everybody has a beginning, middle, and end in the story. It's just a matter of it's always different. So you just have to figure out how you start it, how you tell it in the middle, and how you end it. If you can figure out those three key components, everything in between goes together no problem, right? So I've enjoyed doing this. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed doing this. And and I'm really enjoying people reaching out, asking for it, people reading it and discovering it. And it's just like, what I like the feedback is that it's very emotional. It's very realistic, they like that. They're surprised that I was able to transition between certain things and connect characters. I think I, when I did the show with Lori and we were talking specifically about the book, I explained to her that that book would never have been written if it wasn't for construction. Like I had to be in construction and actually go through one of my worst jobs ever. Bullshit on top of bullshit, which maybe one day I'll do a show on that bullshit job. But I was going through all kinds of crap. And that story came out of from that crap. I started sitting down and writing it. And I literally, on this laptop that I record the podcast, this 14, 15-year-old MacBook, which I'm trying to, which Mac calls vintage um, because it's slow as hell, but it still works. I wrote that story on this MacBook. So it's just like, I've got other stories and I, I tell people embrace it. If you're a chef and you're dying to do it, if you're a musician, you're dying to record something, if you're an actor or whatever, like 
embrace it, man. Just give it a try. What's the worst that's going to happen? Someone's going to laugh at you. Someone's going to say you're shit. Who cares? Like, we're beyond that point. Who cares? I mean, if you've been on social media and people have said shit about you, who cares? I do not care. But I also know that a lot of people are going to read it and it's going to resonate with them. Because if you've been in a relationship, I don't care who you are, what age or whatever. If you've been in a relationship and it didn't work out or it did work out, there are similarities in that story. It's just you're going to see it. And if you've been in a lot of relationships like myself and you get to a certain point, you go through a lot of stuff. Right. So that's where that whole thing came about. Right. And I, I like that people are reading it, finding it and reaching out and asking me about it. Right. But I've also told everybody because majority of women send me a message and they start asking me a bunch of questions and I just respond. I don't think it's the right thing to do, but I don't have an agent. or I don't have a PR person. I just say I will not answer or confirm or deny anything in that book. I just won't. I can't. Like, you can figure out all you want or you can think all you want in that story. And who am I in that story? And I would just tell them that's the only question I would answer. I'm a little bit of every single character because I'm the author. That's how it came out. So if you want to look at all the characters, and there's quite a, a cross-section of characters in there, I'm a little bit of every single character in there. That's it. But I, I enjoyed it, dude. I totally enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it's a good creative outlet to oh, 100%. You know, express yourself. And, you know, you were saying you know, it, there's a lot of emotion in a book. Like that's a love story yeah. and you work in construction yeah. and a lot of people think that those things contradict each other, they but they don't at all. And we were talking about this before the industry needs more feminine energy yeah. and it's not, it needs more women, but I think it needs, I think that men need to connect with their feminine energy hundred percent way more than we are right now. It's not all about like who can bang their chest the loudest, like a true leader, you know, embraces Empathy. Empathy, exactly. Yeah. That's compassion. Values that the industry has lacked for so long. And it's it's great that you've written this and you've kind of you know, you're trailblazing. You're now yeah. now some other contractor I hope so. That some co other contractor might say, Oh, well, I, I like to sing yeah. or I like to write yep. books as well or whatever. It might inspire them to do that. And you know, it takes you know, you create a spark and that can That's how it works. Take things in that direction. But I think as as an industry as a whole, humans in general need to embrace both sides of their, you know, their masculine and feminine energy. That book I think is a great way to Thanks, man. break, you know, break the, the stigma in construction. I, I think the, I think the beating chess trades person trades man is afraid. And I think that's slowly changing. I think that we've done mental health shows. We're huge on, Listen, man, the stats attached to trades men and the stats attached to men in general regarding mental health and suicide, we bottle up. We, we, we're told not to open that up and talk about it. But I mean, I think something like that, if you were to read it or write it and share it, you'll have a much easier time to speak to somebody else, whether that's a male or a female, about what's really going on in your life. And we know that the, like, the worst thing that you can do is ask somebody, even in construction, are you doing okay? And the response be, I'm fine. Because that's not the truth, man. You ain't fine. There's shit going on in your life, right? So if you could possibly speak to somebody that will listen, not not berate with you advice or anything like that, but just listen to it, you might feel a little bit better as a result of that. Yeah, and if you, you see somebody else courageous enough to tell their story and you're, you know, if that can be the way that they bring For it sure. up. That's one thing that I realized, you know, throughout you build is I was wondering why people at the beginning, people weren't fully connecting with why I'm so invested in this. And I, I realized I was like, I just need to be totally authentic with people as to how you build started. 
you build started because I dropped out of university to focus on a career in the trades. Everyone around me thought I was an idiot. I started to feel like I was an idiot myself. I became really depressed. I was extremely anxious every day going to job sites sweeping. I felt like I was working a dead end job and I was in a really dark point in my life. Like very, what were you studying at university? Politics. Okay. And history. And I didn't fit in and I, you know, it was a really tough point in my life and my mental health was totally deteriorated and construction was the thing that got me through the day. And I started U-Build because I wanted to bring people together and help them find a sense of purpose and belonging and make sure that people that might feel like how I felt at that point in my life, giving those people a community and people to talk to. Construction is just a vehicle for what the true vision is, which yeah, is for sure. to make sure that people feel like they have people. It's funny you bring that up because a lot of people have been asking me about the story. And I'm like, listen, man, go to the website, read a little blurbs about it. And it, I think it was Jason recently from Property Management. He, he actually sent me some meme. And, I, and it was similar to the whole dopamine thing, right? And uh, all of a sudden he goes, it's funny you bring that up, Jason, because it's actually in the book. There's a scenario in there where there's a situation and we talk about that. And the characters talk about that, but you talking about anxiety. So there is a little bit of anxiety in there and there's a situation that happens. And I came across something. There's a technique that some doctor designed. He came up with it and it actually does help, right? It's this whole tapping thing and it's actually in the story. So there's a situation, it's a very traumatic situation and, uh, and the characters connect by this technique that this one character knew about. So when people read it and I hear feedback from women, they're like, there's so many friggin' layers attached to this story. And I said, yeah, there is. And you're not going to get all of them at the first reading. You're going to get it on the second and the third reading. And that's where I guess the question is coming in. But everything I went through in construction, everything I went through in my film when I, when I was in film and everything I've gone through in relationships and family and everything like that, it's all in there. Like it's in there in the story. The thing is that people... I said, forget it. And I was never at any point when I was writing this concerned if people were going to go, man, he's a pussy. Like it just, it wasn't in my brain. I didn't give a shit. Cause so it's like the worst thing you can do as a voice is not speak. It's as simple as that. Right. And so when you've built an audience on social media, you've built an audience on a podcast and now I'm building an audience on a book. The best thing you can do is actually fucking speak. And let other people listen. There's going to be a small percentage that are going to go, you're full of it. I don't care what you have to say. Great. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Move on. I don't care. But there's going to be one or two people or maybe a thousand people that are going to connect. And they're going to be like, I was in that exact same situation. And this helped. That's all I care about. So that's the re- And I agree with you. So we do things for a certain reason. The initial group of people around you in your life may not see what you see, but they're not supposed to see what you see. That's not their objective. They have their own things that they need to see that you won't see. So it's important that you hear what they're going to share, but don't get consumed by what they share. They just wipe it off. You're half my age. So, I mean, it's good that you're doing this now and you're able to do that. I wasn't able to do that in my 20s, right? I had concerns about what other people thought of me. Now, I don't give a shit, right? So that's why it gives me the freedom to actually continue doing stuff that could be benefiting one Two thousand, ten thousand people, whatever. Yeah, and even if it's ju- the, the way we look at it is like, let's take big risks. Yeah, and this was, you know, probably a risk. Huge. You know, being vulnerable is a risk. Yeah, but if that means inspiring one person and changing their life, then it was worth it. Whatever. It Who cares it. if one dude somewhere says you're a pussy? Meanwhile, inside he's 
completely relates as well. I guarantee you that person will probably read it and actually take some of the little romantic things that happen and just go, that's actually a good trick. I like that. Yeah. And I'll use that one. Go ahead and use it. I don't yeah. care. Well, and that's the idea is like you've got a platform here and, you know, I appreciate you having me and being able no, to. No, it's been great to, to meet you and talk to you, man. And it's, it's, it's refreshing. I don't dog the millennials. Trust me, man. I don't. I embrace them. You guys are actually taking the industry to better levels than the older guys did. The older guys were stuck in their ways and they are still stuck in their ways and they're slowly climbing evolution. You guys want to have a huge peak in evolution. That's what I embrace. That's what I, I really cherish and I respect from you guys because you guys have a head start, right? Which is great. And then you guys are also seeing the potential of where that head start can go. So that's, that's vital, man. Hugely yeah. vital. I appreciate that. And you know, our whole thing is like, let's create a spark and see what happens yeah. with it. Cause throughout human history, it's, you know, there's been small groups of people that have changed the tides of history completely. And yeah. we're like, why not us? Why can't we create time a time for construction to do that, dude? Yeah, It's time. And you know, it's time to, there's a big change coming in the industry. And uh, you know, I appreciate you having me on this show and being able to talk about you know, what our vision is for the future. And, nice. Um, I'm I, looking forward to seeing it grow, man. Like I totally am looking forward to seeing it grow and more and more getting on board and being a part of it. I yeah. totally like that's cool. It's awesome. And more all the feedback we can get is is appreciated. Reach so. out. Just reach out to him. All the information there. We got the twelve questions left. You ready for this? Yeah. This should be good. What's your favorite construction word? Butt joint. <laughs> <laughs> What's your least favorite construction word? Strip. Strip yeah. When you hear the impact gun and it's like there are two different sounds there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> what turns you on in construction? Plants. What turns you off in construction? Fiberglass insulation. <laughs> <laughs> and hot water bath. Shower. What is your favorite curse word or phrase? Rats. What is your favorite vehicle? Anything in the world? Electric Jeep Wrangler. Do they make it? I have one. I didn't know they came out with an electric one, yeah, did it's it? It's a hybrid. Oh, that's cool. What is your least favorite vehicle? Diesel smart car. Yeah, that thing needs to just get into the museum and just leave it there like in history, man. I don't care about that vehicle. What construction sound or noise do you love? A shovel going into the ground. Wet soil? Yeah. Or, mm. What construction sound or noise do you hate? A nail gun jamming. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass, man. Then you get the guys who just start working on it without taking the hose off if they have the yeah. hose on it. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Politics. Really? You want to get in there, huh? I want to shake the whole tree. <laughs> <laughs> what profession would you not like to do? Factory work. Mundane. Just routine. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's not for everybody. Last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates and you're way too young for that? You've done well. Nice, man. Mateo, thank you so much for being on the show. Everybody, please reach out to him, www.youbuildbildapp.com. And it's Mateo, M-A-T-T-E-O, at youbuildapp.com. Facebook is youbuild. Twitter is at youbuild underscore app. And Instagram is youbuild underscore app. 
Thank you Sit, so bro. much. We're out of here. That was a great show, dude. I really great. appreciate it. Thanks so much, man. I, I, I love, well, we, I love talking politics, construction, and anything, uh, new technology. So this show had a bit of everything, man. Let's do it. We'll bring in, uh, I'll try and get some more people get, on the I'm show not kidding, then. man. Get them. If you can get them, we'll set it up and we'll have it fun. The lawyers can stay outside, though. That's totally <laughs> fine. <laughs> Just, yeah. I know they're going to bring lawyers. That's all. But let them bring it. I'll have fun with them, too. But. Yeah. We, we won't let them avoid the questions. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We are out of here. Thanks so much, Mateo. Really appreciate Thanks, it, man. Thanks, Manny.